and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. In February this year, Lending Club closed the acquisition of Radius Bank, becoming a full-spectrum fintech marketplace bank and among the first fintech companies to buy a bank. Lending Club's long-term vision to pursue a platform strategy, attracting users of all financial products and services, and providing transaction integration and processing capabilities is unique in the marketplace. This is similar to the strategy being used by Amazon, PayPal, Marcus, and other tech firms. To understand what makes this combination of digital banking lending platform unique, we are joined by Scott Sanborn, CEO of Lending Club. Scott shares his perspective of how the power of Lending Club platform and the vision of helping consumers with their financial health is unique and important. So welcome to the show, Scott. Uh, We have definitely worked hard to make this interview happen, trying for over a year to coordinate our busy schedules and everything else that was going on in the world. I'm glad we finally were able to pull it off. So for audience who may not be aware, Lending Club is not really a new fintech firm, uh, bursting into the banking ecosystem as a small player. In fact, your company debuted actually in 2006 as a marketplace lending site where consumers could actually lend money to other people rather seamlessly. After several years, Lending Club became an online lender that mostly sold its loans to banks. And in fact, you're one of the largest providers of personal loans in the U.S. In February, you finally received regulatory approval to buy $2.4 billion Radius Bank, becoming a full-fledged challenger bank in both deposit-taking and lending. So, First, the obvious question. What prompted you to acquire a digital bank and go through the lengthy process of getting regulatory approval? Oh, by the way, during the COVID crisis. Yeah, that, that last part we, uh, we didn't count <laughs> on, we didn't predict. But, um, you know, they're undertaking, uh, you know, the transformation to uh, acquiring a bank charter is, is certainly not something we did lightly. Um, however, the number of reasons that stack up as to why strategically it not only made sense for us, but was was an imperative um, are, are so any one of the reasons alone is enough to say this is a worthwhile endeavor for Lending Club. I mean, structurally, financially, strategically, all, all of them pointed to, you know, uh, this being the right next move for, for the company. The, you know, the, the big ones were, you know, just on the financial side, uh, we'd become large enough. We, as, as you mentioned, we were the largest provider. We are the largest provider of personal loans, of unsecured loans in the country. So we're operating at a really massive scale. And um, we had both expenses we were incurring that as a bank we don't incur. You know, we were paying issuing banks to make the loans on our behalf. Um, and uh, we were paying for warehouse lines to enable us to pool loans. So those two costs alone, you're talking about on the order of about $60 million annualized expenses that as a bank, uh, issuing our own loans, uh, we wouldn't incur the issuing bank cost. And using deposits in the place of warehouse lines, um, you know, is a 90% reduction in our cost of funds. So the, the financial side of that, eliminating the expenses. And then there's a revenue piece, which is, as you mentioned, our model historically had been to, to sell all loans through a marketplace to banks, asset managers, 
uh, and a variety, a, d a diverse range of players by choosing in a bank framework to keep a percentage of the loans between 15 and 25 percent. We're actually adding a new revenue stream, which is net interest income, which is, you know, provides stability to our, our and provides a recurring revenue stream. So continuing to do the same activities we were doing before, we're lowering costs, we're adding revenue, and the revenue we add for loans we hold is three times as much as for loans we sell. So that wow. was kind of the, the financial side of things, yeah. you know, just a real transformation, not an overstatement to say a transformation in our financials. Structurally, you know, we have control over our own destiny, right? We're not relying on third parties to enable us to, to issue loans. We are, you know, not relying on kind of the prevailing winds coming out of DC as to, you know, some of the regulatory and legislative risks around the partner bank model. And then strategically, uh, and, and most, most importantly, and most significantly, just gives us the ability to do more for our customers. We had cracked customer acquisition, efficient customer acquisition at scale, acquiring you know, more than 3 million customers, extremely satisfied with Lending Club. They wanna do more with us. You know, uh, having a bank charter enables us to do more for that customer base. So lots of reasons. So, so obviously the pandemic impacted consumer lending, especially personal lending in a dramatic fashion, uh, not all good. How did Lending Club do during the COVID crisis and how is your firm now positioned in, a, in an economy that's actually making a recovery? Starting from today, uh, the outcome has been fantastic during COVID, extremely difficult, you know, with, with unemployment numbers going up at the rate they were going up. And when you don't have your own balance sheet to lend and, you know, you have to sell loans to investors in that kind of uncertain environment, um, we we pulled back. Uh, we you know basically uh, moved to 100% verification of employment and income, uh, pulled back on lending, and really put all of our energy and resources into a couple of key things, which was supporting our members, our existing borrowers, making sure that we were supporting them through you know sufficient staffing in the call center, payment plans tailored to the unique situations. And then, you know, protecting our investors' returns while we were working on approval uh, for for the bank acquisition. The the outcome of that has been um, the loans have performed exceptionally well. Um, we recently released data that we are outperforming our uh, peer set by about 35%, meaning 35% lower delinquencies on, and you know, again, when we're the largest provider, you would think we would revert to the mean, but we actually have 35% better performance, both for the pre-COVID loans, as well as loans made during the pandemic. What do you attribute that to? Because, you know, as you said, you're not going after subprime, but you're not going after the prime lending consumer and his personal loans. What do you attribute the, the a better than average performance to? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things there. What, uh, let me uh, make sure you know your listeners understand. You know, who do we serve? One of the benefits of being a platform is we serve a lot of people because you know the we make loans to an 800 FICO borrower that's funded by a community bank or a regional bank, and we'll make a loan to a 600 FICO borrower that's funded by a large asset manager, right? So we are we do say yes to a lot of people, and that's what drives part of our platform efficiency and marketing acquisition costs. But on average, uh, you're right, on average, our average FICO score, to the extent, you know, an average is meaningful in this case, you're talking about the low 700s. 
um, this was a real test, and we viewed it as a test going into this. The, the question hanging over Lending Club's head had always been, great, your loans are performing well, investors are getting a very solid return on, you know, it's unsecured credit, they're getting a high return, it's a compelling asset, but you've never been through a recession at this right. scale. Right. And there were a lot of naysayers who said that personal loans would underperform. You've already given the money out, um, so why would consumers be incented to pay you back? So as a category, as an asset class, uh, what we saw during the pandemic, not unique to Lending Club, for the category as a whole, what we saw is consumers prioritized personal loans above many other asset classes, uh, student loans, and even credit cards as a whole. Um, within that, Lending Club outperformed the asset class. And why do we think that is? There's a couple couple reasons I'd give. One is we've been very focused on um, our customers, our members, and have tailored, you know, wh when you look at on its surface, why do people come to us? The number one reason they come to us is they've built up credit card debt. Uh, they realize that it's effectively a loan and it's not a very good one. They'll get a loan from us instead, pay off the credit card debt at a much lower rate. On average, they're, they're saving, you know, 20, 25% versus their, their credit card rates. So you would think of that as say, okay, so they paid off their credit card debt and they sail off into the sunset. But unfortunately for most Americans, that isn't how it works, right? They, right. Their cash flow is very volatile, their expenses are volatile, and they come in and out of this need. And so we really tailored our experience for uh, our customers to come back, for our members to be able to come back and you know easily access uh, credit on you know a repeat basis on a repetitive basis so about 50% of our customers come back within five years and when they do because we know them and we recognize them the process is even more seamless and the offer is better than they can typically get elsewhere because we know they're you know they they're they stand a good chance of paying us back so so because of that we have this existing member base who views us not as a transaction but as a relationship um, so that's one reason is they really see the utility of lending clubs there for me when I needed it. Uh, I'm going to make sure I maintain this relationship. That's one. The second thing is we moved really, really quickly to support our members with payment plans, deferrals. We made it very easy to say, hey, if you're in stress, you're in trouble, we'll, we'll help you get through this by allowing you to defer payments. We were criticized by many in the industry early on. People looked at the percentage of our customers deferring and said, oh, Lending Club's portfolio is not looking good. Look, they've got a higher percent or percentage than average of people who are deferring payments. And so there was a lot of prediction that what that would result in was um, you know, defaults down the road. And that's not what we saw at all. What we saw is we helped bridge our customers through a period of uncertainty. They came out the other side and resumed full payment. And those that made it more difficult to get through this paid the price in the form of higher delinquencies. So this was one of those occasions where doing what's right by the customer also ended up uh, doing what's right by the performance of the loan portfolio. So it's interesting, you know, with the acquisition of Radius Bank, there is clearly a move to expand beyond the services you previously provided and to be positioned as a platform player. What advantages, besides the, the logical ones, is there to be in a platform player versus a traditional lender in financial services today? 
Yeah, so there's a, a, a couple uh, pieces to the strategy that um, we're excited about and what makes us unique. One is the one I mentioned, which is by being a platform, um, we serve a broad range of customers. When you buy an ad on Google, you buy an ad on Facebook, you don't know if they're a 600 FICO or an 800 FICO. And if you're a bank that only has a product for the 800, half of your money's wasted. If you're a, you know, a specialty finance player and you only have a product for the 600 FICO, half of your money's wasted. So we, we say yes to both. It allows us to build an inclusive brand. It allows us to drive marketing efficiency. So that's, that's one uh, key advantage to the platform play. The other advantage is you know, if you look at it structurally, this, this kind of hybrid marketplace bank model we have, is that we have the ability to grow in a way that is capital light because we can just choose to sell loans to investors. Um, However, we have the ability to hold loans, which means we are not a price taker, uh, right? We can say to investors, look, this is the price for this. If you don't want it, we'll take it, right? Which gives us a lot of power in in that relationship. It also gives us the ability to innovate. You know, when you are subject, when you have to sell all of your loans um, and you're not a directly regulated um, institution, uh, every innovation needs to be approved by your partner banks because it's their regulatory risk. Right. And then you need to sell it to your loan investors and convince them that what you're doing, you know, you understand the risk. And, you know, again, right now, our marketplace bank model allows us to say, here's an innovation. We have a direct line to the regulators to talk about why we believe in it. And we can engage in that conversation. And then we can go to investors and say, look, we're eating our own cooking here. You don't just have to believe our words. We're putting our own money at risk so you can come and, you know, we'll take risk alongside you and partner alongside you to get these programs off the ground. So I think there's a lot of advantages there. And then in terms of our approach to the market, the, the big thing for us, if you look at us versus some of the other challenger banks, if you will, is we're coming at the market from the place where the profit is made, which is lending. You know, we yeah. have cracked yeah. unsecured lending, which is amongst the most profitable assets available in banking. We're doing a massive scale. We're acquiring customers through that. And so for us, you know, then we're going to take that relationship, which is a high value relationship to the customer. I am giving you money at a better rate than no one else, than anyone else is. And I'm making it really simple for you to do it. And we're going to approach the other side of the bank balance sheet from the point of that relationship, which is you can imagine a world where we say, hey, when you deposit your um, loan into a lending club checking account, you get the following advantages, right? Or we're saving you money off of your credit cards. Now that we can monitor your spending with your permission, we can also help you keep that debt manageable, right? And if it comes back again, we can make it very easy for you to just swipe that over into another installment loan. So we're, we're coming at the relationship from a different place than the rest of the market, and we think it's a position of strength. Well, it's interesting because the, the use of a checking account was initially or originally a payment device, and now more, more of the payments being handled by credit cards, and the consumer is really building relationships around the payment tools as well as the borrowing tools. So, you know, this all takes into account the fact that in acquiring Radius Bank, you acquired all the ability to build the relationship from a, a, a perspective of where they were to begin with and then cross-sell. Um, I know it's still rather new, and I know the the that you know you're you've been 
quote unquote, out of the office for quite some time. I'm wondering, you know, as far as the ability to cross sell and penetrate deeper, what does Radius Bank acquisition give you and how well is it working? Yeah. So, I mean, we're we are early stages of that. So I'll talk about the, you know, kind of more where we're going, you know, uh, versus where we are today. So what it gives us, you know, what we have right now is the ability to help people with their lending. Um, what the capability we pick up is the ability to help them with spending and with savings, right? So that is okay. Um, I, you know, and the, and the, the ideal way that we'll kind of build that relationship is simply, hey, we saved you money off of your credit card bills. Why don't we put some of that into a savings account? Why don't we reward your good spending behavior uh, to help keep you out of debt as opposed to rewarding you for going into debt with your credit card? So, you know, the core radius checking account is dead on brand for us, um, which is, that's what it is. It basically, it is a rewards checking account, which gives you cashback rewards for spending on your debit as opposed to spending on your credit. Um, and, you know, we uh, know because we've done a lot of uh, testing with our customers that, that they're interested in this. So that's the capability we get. Um, in terms of how do we harness that and, you know, to build a platform to do more, that's the investments that we've got to make as we transform the business. Job one has been, okay, we got the charter, let's fire back up our growth engine. We pulled back during COVID, uh, both due to um, the pandemic and the risk associated with that, but also due to the fact that we had to keep our capital, we had to keep our capital dry and available for when we got regulatory approval. So job one has been, you know, uh, fire up the growth engine and smoothly integrate the bank operations. That's what we're underway with now. Job two will be, you know, getting uh, the product into the market and then building, you know, kind of that technology infrastructure that allows us to take this, I'd call it more, you know, very, very seamless access to unsecured credit for our member base and build a platform that allows us to do more with that across multiple categories. So, you know, there'll be a lift there to enable the data infrastructure, the personalization infrastructure to to support all that. But, um, you know, we're very excited to to do that. And we think our customers uh, want it from us. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the fintech startups, a lot of the companies have, have tried to grow their scale. Number one, they didn't have scale to begin with. You have that. Um, number two, the loyalty factor around a checking account is not nearly as strong as the loyalty factor around somebody that provides me money, um, be it a mortgage lender or a personal lender. And, and, and actually, I will, I will test the fact that the loyalty is even greater with a personal loan than it is with a car loan or a home loan because you're usually giving me money to do something I need to do and not taking something in return. You're not taking a house. You're not taking a car or security. So the loyalty is there. And I would think that from your perspective, that the ability to play off that loyalty and build the checking account, the credit card, the, the investment account, the savings account is a whole lot easier because you have people that tend to like you. You've, you've saved them 
or you provide them access. And, and I, I take my own example of PayPal where on my, my business account, I, I would say that while a bank holds my deposits, my relationship is really with PayPal by the fact that they process my credits and they, they also process my payments to my contractors. So they know more about me because of how I work and, and act during that, that period. They also offer me pre-approved lending, all kinds of other things. So they have more data. You have a lot of data because you you open your accounts with more insight into the customer's financial well-being than a, an organization opens a checking account. I would think that I'm, I'm answering your question before I even ask it, but basically the, the, the beauty of this whole combination is you're starting from a position of strength as opposed to one that is kind of weak and unsure. Um, what has been the biggest challenge um, in meeting customers' expectations with this combined platform? What, what, or what do you see it being? Because again, it, it's, it's relatively new. I think what, what we'll see it being is, you know, what, what we've got to come up with is the product market fit that creates this seamless integration where the customers see value. At the end of the day, you know, I've, we've seen this over and over again. Customers are willing to engage. Customers are willing to give data if they understand what they're going to get in return yep. and they see a benefit. For a value it. transfer. Yep. Value transfer. So what we see yep. today, almost half of our customers give us their bank account credentials today as part of our process. Why? Because yeah. it's faster, easier approval. Right? Do you? If I need to verify your income, you know, we determine that that's required. You can either, you know, if I can't connect to your payroll electronically because it's not available. Gosh, am I either going to get payroll stubs from you, or do you just want me to take a look at your bank account and I can see what the what your regular deposits are and I can Im impute that? So customers are willing to give value in exchange. What we're going to need to do as we you know bring this thing to life is find out what is the value exchange people uh, are looking for to move their primary checking account. Is it discount off their loan? Is it access to you know you know uh, uh, a small line of credit what are the what are the features and benefits they're look for yep. to, to make this integrated offering really really valuable to them uh, that'll be that'll be what we need to get off the ground and we need to build again this infrastructure that supports this multi-product uh, offering and you know this is all about you go from you know a single product and a transaction you go to a relationship you know this opens up mobile for us unsecured lending we made the process so easy you didn't need a mobile app I mean name address date of birth right. boom uh, right you didn't need to download an app we now have a mobile app where people are going to be engaging with us um, you know, ideally several times a week, that's going to be generating additional data. Um, and it's going to provide a new platform for us to communicate with our customers. And so how we integrate the messaging, what, where we identify opportunities for driving further value for customers, uh, how we help them manage their spending and their savings, that'll be all the work uh, that we need to, to build out. And, you know, we've, we've started, you know, we recently announced a, a bunch of new hires that kind of give you a sense of the capabilities we've got to build. Yeah. We hired a new, you know, head of deposits. We hired a new head of membership, right? So that we start to think about the customer beyond, do you want another personal loan? And 
you know, what I'm looking at your financials and I can see what you actually need is this. I see you bought a car. Can I help refinance that and save you money there? I see your payment date changed, uh, but your bill, your bill date hasn't changed. You might need to move your bill date to make sure. So let's take a short break and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. We're going to build all those capabilities. This episode of Banking Transformed is sponsored by FIS. The way we move money is changing. We want to send money in real time to the other side of the world. We want everything in one place, integrated, seamless, and on our devices. Embedded, fast, standardized, and frictionless, as well as secure. These are our financial futures. The Financial Futures Podcast by FIS explores fintech innovation and the trends that are already transforming the way the world pays, banks, and invests across the globe. And the mechanisms we'll need to prosper in this new brave landscape. Is the world's technology up to the challenge? Are we? Are those around us? FIS, advancing the way the world pays, banks, and invests. Welcome back to Banking Transform. So I am joined today by Scott Sanborn, CEO of Lending Club, that recently received government approval to acquire Radius Bank and move further down the path of being a financial platform. So Scott, we were talking a bit about how the two organizations came together and the integration and the cross-sell potential. But you know, one interesting thing is that Radius Bank was really known for their speed and simplicity of engagement. But of course, they were mostly focused on the deposit products and products that didn't need as much information. How much focus do you have in the lending club arena on making borrowing easier? Because it's really, it's a challenge, but it's one that because of the pandemic, the consumer's expectations of what you can do with data, what you can do with digital, what you can do with a mobile device has certainly escalated to a point that most organizations are failing. I mean, I talked about um, faking digital, that organizations say, say, yeah, I can open accounts and get a loan on a digital app, and we find it takes 15 to 20 minutes. So how much of your focus on is on really simplifying and speeding up the process of borrowing? Yeah, I mean, it is it is an enormous focus of the entire organization. And, you know, it's really simple to automate a no. The question is, how do you deliver a frictionless yes? And, you know, when when we started, if you looked at what, what, what does a personal loan application look like, you know, and it's this form and it's this long, and um, you look at what information is required of a typical uh, applicant for us today, um, what's remarkable is, you know, the question number one is, do you need that information for all people? The answer is no, right? You're a 800 FICO, you've you know been working at whatever UPS for the last 15 years, your email address is UPS, you know, you, you, you've got X amount of available credit to you on your cards and you want $5,000, like this, this is a good risk. We can bypass a lot of that, the, the, the questions there. But for where you do need the information, the question is, is do I need to ask you to get it, right? Or are there ways for me to get that information without requiring you to do the work? And I mean, um, and what you find is the easier, the more seamless you make it for the borrower, not only the more people get through the process, 
but the better people get through the process because the better credit says, you know, forget it. I, you know, I, this is too much of a hassle. So it is an enormous uh, focus for us. And, um, you know, we've got dozens and dozens of, of models powered by, you know, as you pointed out, we've got 15 years of history on 60 billion in loans. And we've got models that are, who are we targeting in marketing? Um, can we make them an offer? What are we pricing the offer at? Are they who they say they're going to be fraud models? You know, what do we expect the take rate to be? How does that drive pricing? So all of that is informing this entire dynamic process that on its surface looks static. You would think, you know, oh, everybody goes through this. But the reality is, is based on where, how you came to us, how you've behaved in the process, what we know about you, you're going to get a very dynamic experience. It's going to be as seamless as we can possibly make it for you and for your particular journey. But it's, it's an enormous focus and it is, in a, you know, it's frankly, it's how you win in the, in the space. Well, it's interesting because I, I went to China right before COVID actually in January of 2020 and went to Shenzhen and saw that the power of data to bypass, as you mentioned, a lot of the components that we take as being required, which isn't required to know your customer. They were taking data off mobile phone engagement to make credit decisions. Now, mind you, in some cases, the credit decisions were for $500. US. In other cases, they're taking a little bit more information. But as you said, if we keep things in our mind about what is expected and we build it on the old platform mentality, then you're thinking every person loans $2,000 personal loan. I need every bit of the same information. Well, number one, I don't need every bit of the same information. And oh, by the way, it may not be bad saying, we, have, we can offer you $500 on your mobile device today just by pushing one button. By the way, if you need more, push this button. Well, if I get them engaged, they're going to stay a lot longer for that additional information, knowing that I've at least been approved for something. And I would imagine that that's the platform going forward. But when you look at this and you look at the potential overall, it's really the potential of data. And, and when you look at what your customers are expecting, when you look at what's happened it, during COVID, what organizations, what kind of platforms or what um, companies have you really liked the speed of engagement and the, the simplicity of, of actually a, and maybe a loan or maybe something else? What, what companies do you look and say, this kind of like what we aspire to feeling like? Well, I think, it, you know, every if you look, take unsecured, which is the space we're yeah. in, our goal is, you know, if you, if you go back in history, an unsecured loan is kind of the original loan, right? I need yep. money, can you, can you lend me money? It completely went out of fashion and vogue with the advent of credit cards because you know all of a sudden, well, if I need money, I just use this piece of plastic. And what happened was banks essentially got out of the business and those that stayed in, you often needed to be a bank customer. Uh, the pricing was generally not risk-based pricing. And that was, so, so that category, you know, it shrank and shrank and shrank. When we came into the market, uh, I think the entire category was, I joined in 2010, the entire category in 2010 was 10 billion in annual issuance. Um, Lending Club alone pre-COVID did 12 billion in 2019, and the category was close to 150 billion. Um, and where is that growth coming from? It's us basically saying we need to create the utility people get with the card, but actually have a better product for the customer. So for us, it's 
hey, you don't, you know, you just swipe your card, bam, it works, you got what you needed, that's the ideal utility. Now the customer knows, yeah, I got money, but if I can't pay it back this month, I have a loan and it's, and it's not a good loan. It's a floating rate, it's a high rate. And so our, our target experience is how do we make this as seamless as a credit card, but actually a better product for the customer. And the addition, you know, I mentioned for our members, it's that much easier because I already know you. I already have all your information. Um, I, you know, and, and so I can make that easier. When you add the banking platform, right? Our ability to have ongoing visibility, right, into what's happening in their financial life, it takes it to yet another level. Looking at the next uh, three to five years, which is way too long, I now realize that you know, let's say one to three years. How is Lending Club trying to grow? And what do you really aspire to be um, when you grow up? Because, again, well, you're at a, a transitional point that you probably thought was going to happen a little bit sooner than it is. But you're really at a, a pivot in the road where you're becoming a completely different organization with different goals and aspirations. Where, how do you see it, uh, Lenny Club, growing? And uh, where do you see it in one to three years? We are building kind of the, the digital bank of the future centered around our very specific customer base. Uh, and so for us, who is that customer base? They are not the underbanked, which is you know a big target of a lot of the neobanks. In fact, our customers are universally in the banking system, uh, and you know almost 100% of them have credit cards. And what they also have is they over-index to most forms of debt, over-index to credit cards, over-index to auto loans, over-index to student loans. So that's our customer base. Higher income, but unfortunately in America, higher income basically means higher debt. Um, for that customer, what we want to do is serve an increasing broader range of their needs. And over the next, you know, one to three years, the timeline you laid out, what does that look like? You know, um, regain market leadership position in personal loans, Exp you know, continue to expand the category. It's expected to grow at about 20% CAGR over the next several years. It Pre-COVID was one of the fastest growing categories of credit. We expect that to resume yep. for the reasons I gave. You know, if you look at the, you know, the, the space we're competing against credit cards, you know, that's, you know, there's close to whatever, 900 million to a trillion dollars in outstanding credit card balances. That's the market we're going after. So we expect to continue to expand that market by increasing the utility and ease of access to unsecured credit. Um, we plan to get uh, checking and savings accounts into the hands of our customers and to really, you know, find that value proposition that, you know, gets us the primacy of that relationship and kind of forms a membership and an engagement platform for us to continue to serve customers. Um, and we will be um, working to grow our auto refinance category. So that is where, you know, same value proposition, you have a loan, it's not a very good one, we can save you money. Uh, we've got a good product there. And with the addition of the bank balance sheet, that's a product we believe we can grow. You know, it's, it's interesting because you, you mentioned it a couple of times earlier that really what we're looking at is um, we're looking at building a, a greater amount of engagement. 
Um, you know, if you got a personal loan, you, I don't have to engage with you very much. But if I get your checking account, and if I get your your everyday balances, and I'm, I'm working towards financial wellness, where from both sides of the balance sheet of the consumer, you really are, are moving into a play that they go to your site more often, they check your app more often. I mean, it's kind of like what PayPal's done with crypto, where they point blank said the only reason we got into it was because it made them, people go into the mobile app more frequently, and you know, embedding within the mobile app is obviously a, a something in the future as well for credit availability, you know, credit lines. So, you know, Scott, great talking today. I really appreciate it. I think it's exciting to see where your journey is going to go. Obviously, there was a detour in the road caused by COVID and everything you had to focus on as a result of the lending environment overall. But it's really exciting to see where it's all going. I mean, we you, you look around the corner, you see all kinds of competitors that you didn't expect, uh, the buy now, pay laters of the world and everything like this. The whole world of credit is changing, but it's all built around simplicity and ease of use. And I think that having two digital organizations, yourselves and Radius Bank coming together, really takes the best of two worlds that already understood digital, understood financial services, and simply brought it together in a way that can serve the consumer better. So good, best of luck in, on your future and in the future of Lending Club. Thanks, Jim. Glad we could finally catch up. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, just raised the top five banking podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast app and please provide a review of our show. Also, be sure to catch my re recent articles on the financial brand and check out our amazing research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.